Hello, this is the State Senate DFL Podcast, Call of the Senate. I'm your host, Senator Jeff Hayden. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to Call of the Senate. I'm your host, Jeff Hayden. We are so glad to be here this year. This is going to be uh, our first of the new session. I'm happy uh, to have our new Senate DFL leader, Susan Kent, as our first guest of the season. Welcome, Susan. Thank you so much, Senator Hayden. It's great to be here with you, as always. I think this is such a wonderful thing that you've started um, to really get these conversations going. Yeah, I think it's great, and I'm really glad that I could get you here today. So we might as well just get into it. Um, we're on, the, on the, the, the day before the session, and it is time for us to uh, get working. Um, what, what are the kind of things that you think that our caucus uh, really wants to get done this year? I would say, you know, this is not a budget year, right. um, and it's important for everybody to remember that. We mm -hmm. did our budget last year for two years, and now this is what we call a bonding year or a policy year. Mm -hmm. So bonding or capital investment is, I think, sort of everybody's big thing, because it is a big thing, mm -hmm. that it potentially and hopefully will be a significant investment in Absolutely. really important projects around the state, um, in our communities, in our infrastructure, in uh, the state buildings, like at our higher education institutions mm -hmm. and, and um, uh, some of our uh, uh, health care facilities um, and also you know just just making sure that we're positioning ourselves for the future and that's great for communities local communities to have those kinds of investments made and it's um, really good for jobs because those aren't jobs that get outsourced those are Minnesotans doing good jobs so can we talk about that a little bit I was at a couple of capital previews and heard some house members on the other side suggest that somehow uh, bonding is taking away from private uh uh from the from the private uh, business community and, and I, that didn't fit well with me C can you kind of explain like when we bond when we go and we borrow money to do infrastructure projects who, who who gets that money who gets that work well most like if you think about um uh transportation infrastructure mm -hmm. for example or even water and wastewater mm -hmm. those are private contractor companies mm -hmm. um you know i meet with them all the time because i've worked mm -hmm. on transportation for a number of years right. um you know this this is private business that is actually often doing the work, um, you know, with the heavy machinery and the and the and the planning and the design. And a lot of these projects are already shovel ready, and um, you know, that means they're ready to go. We That's can right. get people to work as soon as as soon as we That's pass right. that bill and get that right. and get those funds coming into That's the right. state. So a private company, the private designers, engineers, the people who laborers, laborers mm -hmm. uh, the folks that are running the big heavy equipment that yep. we see, yep. that typically is going to be a private company. Exactly. Right. I just wanted to make sure we it's, got that because uh, when point. I heard them, I, I, I think people sometimes uh, don't understand it. Talk, talk to us a little bit about, um, in, in, in the bonding bill, um, cultural projects or projects that are that are, that have that 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 aren't necessarily like the brick and mortar, but we also fund because we believe it's important to get those projects done around the state. Yes, absolutely. You know, um, uh, these are important um, sort of touchstones for different communities at all corners of our state. So when you think about the beautiful diversity of Minnesota, mm -hmm. from Canada to Iowa mm -hmm. and the Dakotas to uh, Wisconsin, mm -hmm. um, you can see in different communities that that's going to look very different depending right. on where you are. And I think that's one of the great things we can do is help celebrate some of those um, communities um, and make sure that there's an opportunity there for learn. Those also then represent economic development opportunities yes. for those communities because they become important attractions. A lot of times right. you will see, um, you know, visitor and tourism business come up around those. Um, and so it's a it's a win-win-win. 
That's fantastic. So now let's get into the policy side of things. I know one of the things that everybody uh, has been talking about um, that was kind of a, a layover from last session is insulin. Uh, in this uh, uh, issue for people to have access to kind of emergency insulin if for whatever reason uh, they run out and they don't have the ability to get it. Uh, where, where are we at with that and, and, and what should we be doing? This has been so frustrating for so many people because it's just inexcusable that we can't make sure that people who need this very simple medication that they have access to it when they need it because it's it's the difference between life or death and for too many people it has meant that people have died and that's just absolutely unacceptable and we know we can do better. Um, you know, it there have been a lot of different ways of looking at this but you know if people have insurance but they can't afford it or if they have don't have insurance so they don't have access to it there are a number of different reasons that people may not have access to affordable insulin i always think it's interesting to think back when that was uh quote unquote invented um right. uh you know 100 years ago right. um that the people who invented it sold right. their patent for one dollar wow. because they knew that right. it was an important right. common good and it people should not be profiting off right. of it and we know that it also costs just a few dollars to manufacture manufacture a vial of medication, and it can cost $300 to $1,300 um, on the market. So in terms of the local um, debate about this, um, there have been a lot of conversations, um, too many of them behind closed doors for many of our comfort. These are conversations that should be out in the open. Um, But ultimately, you know, I think when you listen to the Governor Walls and the Democrats, uh, including our own Senator Wickland, yes. who's been so out front on this, um, you know, they believe that the costs to provide this, because it will be a cost, um, should be shared by the manufacturers who, what, made $80 billion last year? A lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of money. Absolutely. And so, you know, I think it's interesting that our Republican colleagues in the Senate have said, um, well, we don't want to penalize the pharmaceutical companies. And I mean, people can have different opinions about that aspect of it. I think that's an interesting way to characterize it. I think many of us just see this as doing their fair share to solve a really important problem. So so the Republicans, it's largely being held up because the Republicans don't want the pharmaceutical companies to pay their fair share. Exactly. That's, I just want to make sure that we put a a fine point on that. Um, Let's move to um, something that I know that you have been working on and care a lot about, which is paid family time and sick leave, um, and what that means for Minnesotans, and why is it something that that we want to get done? This is something that is really being recognized as a huge burden on our economy, on our workforce, on families, on children, on people who need care, and on people who need to give care. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of people. That's Mm -hmm. everybody when you get right down to it. Absolutely. And uh, what this would do is create a very simple pool, sort of like unemployment insurance, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, where where employers and employees contribute a little bit. It's Mm -hmm. that proverbial cup of coffee a week kind of thing. Um, And it builds up that pool. And when somebody needs it because they have a baby or they adopt a baby or uh, they have a family member who has a serious health issue Mm -hmm. that they need to be there to help provide, Mm -hmm. um, or if it's their own serious medical issue that they need extended time and either they don't have good 
you know, because some, here's the thing, a lot of the big companies already provide a lot right. of these benefits because they know it's good right. to attract and retain talent. But for those millions of Minnesotans who work for small businesses, for example, um, who aren't able to provide those benefits, they're at a real disadvantage. Right. So this would just level that playing field. It would say you don't have to make a choice between um, a paycheck and feeding your family and taking care of a loved one who desperately needs it or taking right. some time off yourself because you have a temporary injury or serious illness that just needs a little time for you to you know heal and then get back to work right i I often hear uh, my my republican colleagues talk about small business as the kind of lifeblood of 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 the of the economy of the uh, of minnesota in the united states however these very people who work for these folks often don't get this opportunity so i I just i have a hard time reconciling that so anyways that's just my commentary um Climate change. No. Um, I know that there is a lot of talk about climate change. We see it just about every single day in our climate and climates around the world. Um, I know we've started a climate change caucus. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. I think that's been a really um, exciting development that's happened since we uh, adjourned from last session. And uh, we have a really great new exciting uh, caucus coming together to try to address these issues. Um, a lot of it is focusing on um, the jobs in all of this. I mean, because in, so- you know, in addition to how important it is that we make sure that we have a thriving, healthy planet coming forward, there are real opportunities in here for economic development and good, well-paying jobs, too. And so, again, this could be a win-win if we do it right, you know, but that means we have to get past some of these old conversations um, and, uh, you know, and just acknowledge the science. It's real. It's happening. We see it all the time. And... um, you know, I think we all kind of like January's when we feel like we can go outside and our face doesn't hurt. <laughs> but at the same time, that might not be a good sign. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I know that our, um, you know, center point or Excel, one of them has talked about all of the goals that they have mm-hmm. um, about being, you know, carbon neutral and kind of changing their behavior. So it seems like business and industry is ahead of our Republican friends. I think you make a really good point there, Jeff. Um, uh, you know, because I've worked in transportation, you know, one of the big concerns is, and, and there's been a real change because we've done a good job on some of the, mm-hmm. the power generation mm-hmm. and, and getting that to be more carbon neutral. Right. As a result, because that, that curve has come down, transportation is now the bigger driver, no right. pun intended, of the problem. Right. And right. so, um, uh, you know, how we get more electric vehicle charges, charging stations around the state is a, is a big opportunity right. um, because then more people would be able to make that change knowing they could um, recharge when they need to. Um, but, and we've seen, there's a power company in one of, uh, I think it was in Western Minnesota that figured out, you know, if they wanted to provide a charging station 30 minutes from everybody within their county, it really wouldn't be that many and it wouldn't be that expensive right. to do it. And right. so businesses really are looking right. at all of these issues and right. saying, what can we do? And even in greater Minnesota, yep. which uh, often I think that we need to kind of lift up in terms of how progressive they are in the ways that they're thinking about things. That's right. They should uh, have access to that opportunity uh, as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about education. I know that you have worked on this. You've been our lead uh, on the policy side of these things and have spent a tremendous amount of time on education. Um, and maybe we can talk about two things. One is 
um, how do we fund education and are we doing it the right way and what do we need to do? And then let's just talk about the elephant in the room that everybody talks about, which is our achievement gap between kids of color, in particular black kids um, and, and, and white kids in the state. And, and tell us your thoughts on what we should be doing in, in the system to try to not only close the gap, but make sure that every uh, young person in Minnesota has a great education. I really think this is just, well, I mean, we have a few really crucial issues, but making sure our kids get off to a good start is one of the smartest investments we can make, both in terms of them as people and their futures, but also from a state economic perspective and workforce, because workforce issues are a real challenge Directly in Minnesota. Related. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, Minnesota, uh, historically, and this dates back to the so-called Minnesota miracle, has a pretty um, impressive way of funding schools in terms of the way we um, bring in the revenue and then distribute it out back out to the school districts. Um, it's a complex formula, but it's one that ultimately, if you really study it, makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. The problem is it requires the legislature to continue funding it. And, Absolutely. and when you look at the charts, and I happened to see one just a couple days ago, we're not doing it. Um, we have, if, if inflation is 2.3% and we only provide 2%, that's a shortfall that the districts have to make that's up. Right. And when that happens year over year over year, right. that is a growing problem. Right. And so what we've done is where we used to do these little local levies as sort of added extras, right. those have become a serious part Wonderful. of our local right. budgets. And the thing that people need to realize is if we don't do our job here at the state on this issue, that means then that we have to go to local property taxpayers right. to make up the difference. Right. And then we end up with some districts who are able to pass these more easily right. than others. And right. that's where we end up with that have and have that's not. That's right. That's right. Yep. So so the, the, the gaps, yep. um, and there has been you know, there's a new constitutional amendment. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that it works. I don't think that the language works. And I certainly, let me just put my little piece in there. I don't think that, um, I, I think that's our responsibility mm -hmm. to, to write the policy and it's our responsibility to appropriate the dollars. Um, I, I, I'm not quite sure I want that to ultimately end. And, and I love our jurists, but I don't think that that is what the Supreme Court's job is. Uh, I think it's to make sure that the work that we've done uh, is is legal. But but that's me. Um, help me if so. I, that's the way I feel. Tell me how you feel about it, and then what what should we be doing to kind of close those gaps? Um. And I like to, uh, I, I think it's important that people are starting to change this conversation to be more about the opportunity gap mm -hmm. instead yes. of the achievement gap. Because Absolutely. when we talk about the achievement gap, we're blaming the students often right. for, right. for what they're not doing. That's right. That's Whereas right. there's an awful lot that they're just not being given the opportunity to succeed and thrive mm -hmm. to the degree mm -hmm. that, that everyone else is. Um, so it's truly, I think, one of the most important things facing us in education um, because it's not okay that we're leaving so many students behind. It's not okay that we see such disparities in discipline, for example, along racial lines. Um, and, you know, we know that it's more complicated than just um, what's happening in any given classroom on any given day. It's a much more complex issue that, you know, our kids getting good health care? Are they getting good nutrition? Are they getting access to pre-K? Um, uh, just a range of things that there are inherent disparities in. Um, housing. I mean, you know, too many, too many kids um, have unstable, if no housing, you know. So um, it, it is a complicated issue. But for example, we're seeing um, so, you know, it's something we nobody's been sleeping on the job on. It's just these things are hard to deal mm -hmm. with. Um, and we need to make sure we're continuing to be aggressive in this. Um, 
but one of the things that we've seen a lot of success in schools around the state is um, full-service community schools. Yes. And it gets at addressing a number of yes. the needs yes. that are beyond the classroom, too. So we need to do a good job in our classroom. We need to have more teachers of color, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, we need to look at this issue of how we're handling discipline in our schools. We need, obviously, safe, well-run schools. But right. at the same time, we need to make sure that um, this is being handled in a way that is fair and responsible. And um, I'm really... I'm really proud of a number of the measures we've made, and I think we're starting to see some you know, indicators of things we can do, but we've just got to keep doing better. Good, good. That makes sense. Um, kind of the, uh, we have so many progressive <laughs> things we want to do, but I, I'd probably be remiss if I didn't at least touch on this issue of um, gun violence mm -hmm. prevention yep. uh, and the work that uh, we have as a caucus. Um, and then I know that Senator Latz has been leading. Uh, talk a little bit about what we think um, our priorities should be there um, and why it makes sense for Minnesotans. I am so grateful for Senator Latz's leadership on this and his real clarity and his dedication to listening to stakeholders on all sides of this issue. And um, what what under his leadership, we have really focused on our two main initiatives. Mm -hmm. And one would be expanded uh, background checks to make sure that we don't let guns be in the hands of people who we all agree should not have them. Um, and then the other one is the so-called red flag laws or the extreme risk protective orders. Mm -hmm. And the reason we're focusing on those two is, for one thing, we know they are supported by 90% of Minnesotans. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. there is... It is, it is absolutely seen as common sense, and when people understand how these bills work and what they do, even if they come into the conversation saying, don't take away my rights, I, you know, I, my, and they, we all support the Second Amendment. Um, you know, that once Responsible they, gun ownership. Right. right. Once I hear what's in their bill, they're like, oh, I could support that. It's That's like, right. absolutely. Um, the th other thing we know about those two measures is they make a difference. Mm -hmm. We have seen so many lives saved mm -hmm. in other states where uh, these these particular laws right. have been implemented. So it would be... And, and often in Republican-controlled states, right? Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Right. And, um, you know, I think... Uh, uh, one of the the things that's really unfortunate is, I, I, I guess I'm glad that they had an informational hearing um, up north a few, couple weeks ago, but um, we haven't had an official hearing. And so right. the hard work that Senator Latz and others have done to make this bill get better, we can't make any of those changes officially until it gets a hearing. Right. right. Until it gets in front of people. Right. And right. we and we give people right. a chance to have this this really right. open discussion. And then people can vote on it. Right. right. And then it's on the record. Yep. And then people can go out in their communities and right. say why they voted for it right. or why they voted against it. Right. And you have to wonder why perhaps Senator Limmer doesn't yeah. want his members to maybe take a vote on this. Right. I mean, you know, I, I'm wondering about that issue. You know, I do want to get on one before we have to leave. Uh, one of the things that the GOP uh, said that they wanted uh, in, as a priority, and that's this issue of uh, election security is what they're calling it. Um, but uh, voter ID uh, is what it is, and I personally think that it is extremely regressive um, and that we've already had this conversation with the state, um, and they reject uh, the idea of any form of voter oppression, suppression, I personally call it kind of Jim Crow era laws. I know Senator Gazelka takes exception to that, but that's how it feels for me. Um, you grew up in the South. Tell us, tell us what you think about this. Um, 
it's so I moved to Minnesota for a reason I choose to live here to raise my family here you know because I love this state and I believe in it and I believe we do some things really really well elections being one of them and I look at what has happened in in the southern states where my my family has come from and it's a a whole other issue I think it's interesting when you look across a range of issues um, the Republicans are putting forward these things and they put a label on them Mm -hmm. but if you peel that label off Mm -hmm. there's something completely different in that package right Mm -hmm. Um, and this is one of them. You know, it's rich because they have been so resistant to doing what we all understand to be election security in terms of making sure we can't get hacked and we've got good, solid data and technology and training right. and that kind of stuff. Right. But then what they want to do is make it harder for people to be able to vote right. and to just in, in, to get in the way of that fundamental right. And you are exactly right. Um, it is well documented that these measures have um, absolute racist effects in the way that they yeah. get implemented. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think you're right. So we're kind of coming to the end of our time. Uh, we're excited. We are, it's kind of, I told the folks around here, it's kind of like first day of school. Yep. So anything else you'd want us to know and the people who listen to this to know about kind of what, what we should be thinking about in this legislative session. Um, just, just I, I want to make sure you get the last word. Well, thank you, and thanks for having this conversation. You're right; it's always great when we get back together. Um, you know, this will be an interesting session because, as we've seen, the Senate Republicans have been obstructing what we know Minnesotans really care about since they've been in the majority. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they won't let things come through committee. They certainly won't, will vote them down on the floor. Sexual harassment, for example. Right. You know, I mean, there are a number of things that right. there's broad support on. Um, conversion ba- therapy ban, oh. which is just heartbreaking. Yes. So, you know. We're just going to have to be in a position to make sure that we continue to fight for the things that we know that matter to Minnesotans, um, to our families, to our workforce, um, and to work with the governor and with the DFL-led house because they are doing a really good job of leading on these issues, and and we're going to partner with them to do what we can to to make sure we can have some opportunities. Minority leader, Senate DFL leader, Senator Susan Kent, thank you for being on call of the Senate. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for listening to Call of the Senate. I'm Senator Jeff Hayden, and I hope you enjoy getting to know my colleagues and hearing about important things that are happening at the Capitol. If you'd like to hear more stories, please visit our website, senatedfl.mn, or connect with us on social media with the handle at senatedfl. Thank you.